Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show goes where you go to encounter those mastermind moments when you run into somebody who gives you that aha moment or that inspiration you weren't expecting. And what do you hear in the background? You may hear birds chirping, ambient noise from the conversation at the next table, a vehicle going by in the distance. Today, we are going to be coming to you from one of our high-tech studios, which happens to be the living room of my sumptuous Las Vegas apartment. And depending on the weather, we may move outside to our world-famous balcony here in the hottest city in America. And what are we going to be discussing? Local marketing and how to maximize your marketing. We love this topic because I've been saying for many years, and I have anecdotes and stories about this, that the moment you go online, you become a global business or you have a global business. Yet at the same time, the fact that so many businesses are online makes things that are we used to think of as being long distance or out of reach or global have actually become local. So to me, this is just my personal opinion. The lines have not exactly become blurred, but we have had some cases where things have begun to parallel and work in tandem more than we've seen up until recently, particularly with the changes that have gone on in the past two years with the bug hitting us and everything. To share with us today some of these insights, and we're going to go from dental marketing to local marketing in general, and the correlation between the local and the global, we have with us somebody I've wanted to have on the show for a long time, and I'm so glad we were finally able to schedule him. His name is Chris Pistorius. He's the founder of Kickstart Dental Marketing, which has consistently been listed as one of the top dental marketing companies in the country by UpCity. He has over 15 years experience in marketing. He's worked across multiple facets of marketing, consulting, and coaching, and he shares his expertise by giving marketing seminars across the country and, like me, hosting a weekly podcast. Before, well, there's actually more that he has to share. Uh, I will mention he's the author of The Ultimate Guide to Internet Marketing for Dennis, and there's more to this story, and I'm going to let him share it in just a moment. But first, Chris Pistorius, come on in, the weather's fine. Hey, Adam, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, this is going to be a blast. Now, before we get into some of the things we want to cover, you gave me several points in the green room, and I have a couple questions for you of my own. Let's start by saying that I read off a portion of your official bio. It was so impressive. 
that I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here in your presence, and this is my show. So what I want to do here is I want to take a step back from the official bio. Tell us in your own words a bit about your journey or a bit about your experience and how it's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, well, the only reason it was so interesting is the bio anyway, is because I'm not the one who wrote it. So (laughs) I know that feeling. It always helps when you have professionals that work with you. So, but yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people ask me, you know, why are you, why are you in, you know, marketing, but, you know, more specifically, why are you, why do you want to market for dentists? And, you know, it's, it's, I wish I had an interesting story, but you know, my background, you know, has always been marketing. I, I you know, I'm going to date myself here a little, but I used to work for a, a company called America Online back in the day when it was cool. And, um, you know, I did marketing sales for them for a long time. Um, and I learned a lot about, you know, great things and exciting things about marketing, but I also learned a lot about, you know, the negative side of marketing and advertising and, um, sometimes what you sell people um, from a company like that isn't exactly what a company needs. And that really got me motivated to start an agency on my own that was really centered around clients. And, you know, what are we going to do to make sure that our clients are successful? Um, and how do, we, how do we really build and grow a results-oriented agency? And so when I first started, you know, after I spun off from AOL, um, you know, we took on anybody that would pay us in the beginning because uh, I've been there, done that. That's I, that page is in my diary, too. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I quit a pretty decent job and I had two little kids at the time. And I was like, OK, we need to probably make a paycheck. So we took on attorneys and, you know, dentists and, you know, any other kind of local type business. And that's why a lot about what I think we're going to talk about today, Adam, is going to be, you know, not just about dental marketing, but really the stuff that we're going to talk about is, you know, how to market a business overall locally. And, and so anyway, you know, we took on all these different or these different types of businesses and we started to figure out after about a year or two that, yeah, this is cool. We're being successful. But every time we take on a new industry, it's really hard to um, understand the industry well enough to market it great. And so we were kind of doing a disservice, I thought, to some of our clients by not being really an expert in their specific industry. So that's when we decided to niche down. And at the time we had, I don't know, maybe six or seven dentists and, you know, they were all doing great. They were pretty easy to work with. They all paid their bills, which is great. Uh Um, So we decided to go with that. So that's, that's kind of my very high level of how I, how I got started in this direction. Well, I've always found it at least in my time as an entrepreneur, curious that there is such a niche that goes into dental marketing specifically. There are so many different types of medical practitioners, but I hear so much about dentists. I know somebody who has a business specifically around creating newsletters for dentists. I know people who do social media advertising for dentists. Uh, And I'm now familiar with you who does dental marketing specifically for dentists. So other than the fact that you happen to have a lot of dentists as clients, as clients and they, I guess they're fun to work with and they pay their bills on time, which are usually pretty, two pretty good attributes. And you kind of have to have both for a long-term relationship. What is it about dentists that really intrigues you? And what are some of the things about that industry that are so unique that it's worth studying? You know, I found the need pretty quickly from them because 
dentists are really good at being dentists, but it's, it's almost appalling at how little they learn through dental school and actually how to, how, how to run a business. And, you know, included in that is marketing. And I saw a big gap there in terms of it's great to be good at something, but if you're not good at marketing specifically, you're not going to survive, even if you are a dentist. So um, that's one of the biggest things that drew me to that is that, you know, even though you would think, you know, hey, let's set up shop. I'm a local dentist. You'll just be busy forever automatically. That's not the case. There's more competition now. Um, in dentistry than ever. Um, there's more corporate pressure now, meaning there's a lot of corporate dentists out there moving into cities kind of with huge pocketbooks to market with. Um, there's a lot of need um, in dentistry, but I think probably the biggest draw for me was just, you know, seeing how many are struggling just because, you know, they need help running their business and getting people into those chairs. Well, certainly. And the thing about, the thing about it is, it has such a connotation that I mean, it's enough to get people to go for their regular medical checkup and you're seeing one of the side effects of the past few years is a greater amount of skepticism about any medical care. And I would say in this day and age, because I have some dental work that needs done. For example, I have a tooth that needs removed. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details of why that is. And there's a few others that need some restorative work on them. The challenge for me has been finding a combination of the time to do it and somebody to assist me. I'm going to need to take the the happy pill in order to get some of my work done. And I have to sign over custody to my uh, of myself to somebody and have them sit there. One of the challenges has been that even at this point, there are still many dental practices that would expect the person that they that I signed over custody of myself to, to not sit in the office, but not leave the premises either, which means they have to sit in their car for two to three hours while they extract the tooth. Yeah. And people are just not going to do that, nor am I going to ask. Right. And as far as I'm concerned, yes, I'm aware. So for those of you listening to this, who are going to start writing in with your pearl clutching and everything else. Yes, I know what happens when you don't have a tooth yanked that you're supposed to. And yes, I know 25 different reasons why it doesn't have to be. Okay, <laughs> whatever. I don't care. So save all that. And I'm saying this because I want to express the sentiment of the consumer of dentistry that often comes down to, well, if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's a tough one to overcome candidly. Yeah. There's no question about that. And, you know, I talk to dentists all the times about their most, you know, three of the biggest reasons people don't go to the dentist and it's, you know, it's time, fear, and money or a combination uh -huh. of those three things. And so we actually, that's one of our kind of our checklists during our campaign kickoff is what are we going to do to overcome these three things? Uh-huh. You know, it's also funny, and I've shared this in episodes of this show, and I've shared it in live streams. I've, I've been interviewed on this topic on other podcasts, is I live with a very severe form of trypanophobia, which is fear of hypodermic injections. However, I don't have that problem when it comes to dentists. Hmm. They, uh, the, the, way, the thing they do to inject the septicane to numb off the quarter of the mouth they need to do to do whatever work, that doesn't bother me. Hmm. It's well, I, I, I know the reason why, because growing up, uh, as I was growing up, 
my uh, the doctor that my parents dragged me to was a sadistic asshole, uh, but my dentist was gentle and caring. Oh yeah, it really comes down to that. Uh, one of the roots of trypanophobia uh, that they find in analyzing so many different cases of it is it comes down to people panicking because they feel they're having control taken away from them. Yeah. Whereas I was blessed to have a dentist who not only made sure I was ready before he did anything, but also was careful to explain everything that he was doing in a way that was actually interesting to me. Right. Yeah. A lot of anxiety, fear uh, comes from not being in control. Yeah. Fear of not being in control. Right. Right. So this is a, this, and when you have, an estimated 50 million people in the United States alone who live with some level of trypanophobia and the dentist is considered to be elective in many cases, that's a pretty steep hill to climb. Yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I know as well as anybody else that preventive dental care helps to reduce the need for some of the more painful stuff. Right. So... What have you found in your work? Because I want to spend a little bit of time on the dental marketing specifically. Have been some of the most effective strategies for getting people to actually go to their dentist and for dentists to be able to maintain a pipeline of prospects and patients. Yeah, I think for us, it's all about personalization. You know, now, I mean, 20 years ago for a dentist, you put an ad in the, in the yellow pages and maybe do some direct mail and you're done and it worked pretty well. Well, now there's, you know, a hundred different places you could market your business just on your practice online. And this goes for any type of local business, right? So for me, people, it's so easy nowadays for people to check out local businesses online before they do anything. And I call it the silent killer of marketing. Because you could be losing potential customers and not even know it, right? Yeah. Because there's been no contact made with you. They're making their decisions before they you know, pick up the phone and call or schedule online or whatever it is. So for me, it's not one thing. It's a very holistic approach to your local online visibility and what's being said about you and where it is and you know, are you interacting with people online? So for instance, what I'm talking about is how great is your website? Is it really built to convert? Has it been updated since 1985? Right. Uh-huh. So, because the website itself is really the hub of all of your marketing activity. So if you go out and buy a billboard or if you do direct mail or whatever it may be, even offline marketing, people are still going to funnel in through that website. And if it's not as good as it can be in terms of getting people to want more information, then that's a problem. Right. And then yeah. look at things like online reviews. Look, I hate that whole industry. To me, it's like used car salesy type stuff, you know, online <laughs> reviews. I think it's being cleaned up a little bit now, but it's still, I don't, I don't love it. But the problem is that people are paying attention to it. And I've got multiple, um, uh, what do you call it? Market analysis sheets that tell us how much people actually pay attention to these reviews. So if you've got bad reviews or if you've got no reviews, it's kind of like having no credit. It's almost as bad as having bad reviews. So you've got to do something and have some sort of a marketing program in place to get more reviews from your customers. You know, obviously you want the more good ones possible. Another pro tip is make sure you respond to every review that comes in because people look for that and they like to see that you're taking the time to respond to reviews. 
Um, so, you know, social media, same way, make sure you have a presence, make sure you're visible. So really to answer your question, there's no one thing. It's just a holistic view of local market and where people can find you to make sure you're visible and then being able to control what they see so that they're going to have no doubt that they need to at least pick up the phone and call you. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You bring up online reviews and if, uh, And I know that, yes, at some point, I'm going to get all the work that I need done in my mouth taken care of. It's going to happen. I'm just not there yet. I'm waiting for uh, to have somebody I can sign myself over to for three hours, knowing that they can actually sit in a either in the dentist lounge or they can be comfortable while it's happening. So leave all that aside. I can tell you that uh, my dentist growing up and the one I maintained even into my 30s is back in Pittsburgh where I'm from. But now the but now that Las Vegas is my home, I need a dentist here in Las Vegas. And yeah, I can go anywhere and say, hey, what do you think of your dentist? Yeah. And uh, I'll get 25 different opinions from just who's in the room. Right. Now I can go online and see my primary thing is I naturally just assume that a dentist knows what they're doing. They're certified, they have a license, they have a degree. And they go through continuing education for recertification, license renewal, and everything else. I also assume they have liability coverage and what have you. So the only thing that reviews are going to tell me is which one seems to have reviewer after reviewer after reviewer say that they care about your pain and don't want you to have any. That's how I've picked out the... because. Whenever I have this work done, it's going to be by one of two dentists. And that's the trend that I picked up in their reviews is they, there just seems to be this overarching thread that they are very concerned. They're very empathetic and they want to make sure that it's as painless as possible. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that, that's, my, that's my number one criteria for a dentist. Uh, my dentist comes in and starts uh, acting like a sadistic asshole. I'm, I might get out of the chair. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of dentists make the mistake, and this holds true for other uh, types of companies too, is that they like to use stock images everywhere, right? Uh-huh. Like on the website, especially, and that is no bueno in the world of healthcare in terms of marketing. Because at the end of the day, people buy from people; they don't they don't buy from models and actors. Right. So the more personalized you can get in local marketing, where you're showing your office, your staff, you know your stuff, your assets, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, let me uh, let me mention that because this is one of my quotes uh, that, as, as Bob Berg said famously in The Go Giver, all things being equal, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. And my codicil to that is that most importantly, people do business with people they see as people. Right. Is it a challenge in that industry, particularly when it comes to things like HIPAA and other privacy protection, to get to post things on websites that are pictures and words from actual patients. Is that, is that actually part of the reason that industry relies on reviews because it's really the only clear cut way that you can show that the person giving the review did entirely of their own volition. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some to that. And especially if you're in Canada, there's a whole nother set of rules in other countries, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly is, I mean, there's, there's protocols and, you know, HIPAA, problems that you can run into with that for sure okay now this is all very very interesting and i want to make one more i want to ask 
make one more point and perhaps share a question about the online reviews thing. And I've covered this in my book, Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy, is if I see a business that has all five-star reviews, I'm actually suspicious. I don't think that any business is perfect. I'm also concerned about what happens if I'm that statistical customer, client, patient, or what have you, who has the less than perfect experience? Am I going to be taken care of? So I'm looking for a business that has, let me, let's say it's a five-star, it's a five-star rating, somewhere between, say, maybe about about 4.2 and 4.4. Because I want to see that most of the feedback is positive, but there has been a time or two and I want to see that they've screwed up, how they screwed up, and what they did to make it whole on the back end. Just in case I happen to be that statistical one that catches the short end, I want to know I'm going to be taken care of. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I consult my clients to make sure that they're responding to every review, even the bad ones. And it's all high road for the bad ones because it's not so much you responding to the person that's not satisfied, although that is a big part of it, but you're also showing off that you care to people that haven't done business with you yet. And they like to see that you're doing that. So there's no question that, you know, five years ago, it was really bad because people were buying reviews, paying for reviews, Uh fake reviews. And don't get me wrong. There's still some of that out there, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, But I'm with you. If I see a thousand five-star reviews for a dentist or really any business, I kind of call bullshit on it because nobody's that good. Right. And you're going to get bad reviews. You can't make everybody happy. So I always say kind of that happy medium is about a 4.7 rating. <laughs> yeah. In the apartment rental industry, if you're on a scale of one to five, anything above like 2.8 is considered amazing. Yeah. Because <laughs> that in that particular industry, people love to complain. They don't get their service requests done fast enough or there's an ongoing issue with management and management's just not listening or they're trying to pressure the actual company that owns the property because there's actually a ponderosa behind the management company they'll just go to the online reviews yeah so sure. you get so and then, then you get a lot of things that end up going public that get resolved about a day later because somehow that seems to get people's attention but right. yet the negative reviews just don't get taken down as i see that there are a lot of businesses that going back to your point won't follow up on the back end i think it's fair for a business to see that they received a negative review to address it, to actually fix it and make it whole and to request that the, the person who left the negative review, either re- either delete it, replace it, or at least do an update. Yeah. No, there used to be some of these, a lot of ki- uh, businesses have technologies that will automatically send review requests to people and they can leave them a review um, there was something though called review gating, which is that these systems were set up to where if they got like a four star review or less, it wouldn't actually post it out on the, give them the opportunity anyway, to post it on Google or Facebook or anywhere. It yeah. would just kind of send that feedback back to the business owner. Well, Google's caught on to that and they, they're trying to strictly prohibit that from happening so that every review request you send through these automated tools good or bad or indifferent will go out directly, you know, to Google uh, and Facebook and all these other places. So I think that's why it's getting a little better, but there's definitely some, some spam out there for sure. Well, it got to the point with me where 
on Yelp and Google reviews, I left a few legitimate reviews for companies and they got taken down because, and and I got accused of being a paid reviewer and of leaving fake reviews. That's especially true on Yelp. Yelp is bad about that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, There was this pizza place in San Francisco that was basically letting the world what they know thought about Yelp. So what we, so what they had people do is say, okay, leave a negative review for us on Yelp, bring a copy of that review with you. And we'll give you, I can't remember if it was a free pizza or a discount on, on a pizza or something like that. Well, I left, I, well, what I did is I call, I found out that that pizza place closed at eight o'clock. And remember I said, I'm in Las Vegas and this is in San Francisco. So at 8.03 PM, I made a point of calling them and asking them if I could get some takeout delivered or you know, some takeout delivered to me. <laughs> and specifically, I was ordering Mexican food for my cats. Nice. So I documented all of this in the negative review I gave them. And I forgot about it because the, the whole thing passed. And then a year and two months later or something like that, I got this preening, yammering email from Yelp's quality control saying that they had deleted my review because I left a clearly fake review. And and, and you know what I did is I I posted my screenshot showing the call log that I actually made the telephone call. Uh. I said, really? Uh, In my review, I said, I I called them at 8.03 p.m. on this date, and here it is on my call log. Wow. So I did actually call this place in San Francisco asking them to deliver Mexican food for my cats. That's awesome. They, they, they asked me to leave a bad review and I left the worst one I possibly could. <laughs> I mean, how dare they is a pizza place in San Francisco refuse to deliver Mexican food to my cats in Las <laughs> Vegas. When I called them three minutes after they closed, what the <laughs> hell kind of pizza shop are they? Come on now. I should, I get, know, I should get free pizza for life. <laughs> And then uh, the other crazy thing about this, man, is that your competition, right? I mean, yeah. you can get comp- competitive niches like, you know, locksmith. I've seen really bad construction, you know, stuff like that. Well, they'll just start, you know, putting negative reviews on their competitors' <laughs> listings. And yeah. it's, you know, it's crazy that how far some of these people will go. <laughs> oh, I've, I mean, I've heard of that, too. And I have heard of that type of abuse. I've also, and I've been on the receiving end of it from Tommy Bahama restaurants. I will say this until repeat over and over again. Um, been an ex- uh, seen the thing where companies will actually bully people who leave them negative reviews. And even in some cases go after their friends who yeah. are their customers. Yeah. And Tommy Bahama restaurants did that to me. I left them a well-deserved negative review because mm-hmm. I couldn't get my issue resolved while I was on site. And rather than respond to me, they found out that some of my friends were regulars in one of their restaurants and they threatened my friends. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Hey, they, they, they took, they took away my voice. This is my platform. I'll repeat it over and over again. Okay. So that's that. And that's actually another reason why I get suspicious when I see a company like Tommy Bahama that has ridiculously high review rates. Right. I honestly do not believe, and I've seen some of their restaurants that'll have like, uh, 530 reviews, and right. only one of them says "don't recommend." Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. A restaurant with only one "don't recommend" review. Yeah, that's crap. 
I mean, if you have 530 reviews, you are pretty much guaranteed at least 15 negative reviews just because you caught a server who wasn't having the best day. Absolutely. Yeah. As much, especially as much business as they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, so these are some of the things that we run into when it comes to that. And that's why I agree that the whole reviews thing does need some work. Yeah. And I see when it comes to dental marketing, let's bring it back to that just one second before we go back to local marketing in general, where I'm going to kind of just turn you loose here in just a moment. Uh, we find that on the one hand, we're looking for social proof. And then on the other hand, one of the most powerful ways to get that social proof is through reviews, has so many flaws to it. And then add to the dental industries we covered before, you have HIPAA and other privacy protections that can become an issue. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a real quick story here. And then I'm just going to let you tell me what you think about it. So I moved to Las Vegas. Uh, I made Las Vegas my home about eight and a half years ago. I drove from where I grew up near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I donated most of my furniture locally, but I had I think about 20 boxes that I shipped ahead of me and had held at a storage facility. So I drove out here. I arrived on, it was Friday, November 8th, 2013. I got the keys to my townhouse in the morning that I'd already leased. I called the storage facility, had to bring my boxes over. I went to a local furniture store and I ordered a bunch of furniture and scheduled it to be delivered the next day. I went grocery shopping and actually filled my refrigerator. I know that that's the that's <laughs> that's the part you should be questioning right there. And so here we are about 7 38 o'clock in the evening at my first day in Las Vegas. I'm in my empty townhouse, which was great, except I hated it. I'm here <laughs> with my I'm here with my uh two uh, at the time they were about six month old cats. They mm -hmm. had just destroyed my air mattress, mm. and all I had was a flat air mattress and a folding <laughs> chair. I'm That's thinking. called rock bottom. <laughs> well, yeah, in a way, but I, but I had my furniture coming the next day. Yeah, but yeah. but I figured, am I going to sit? Am I going to sit here, or could I find a cigar lounge where I could go have a good cigar and enjoy and celebrate my successful move to Las Vegas? Yeah. So what did I do? Pulled out my smartphone, and I was feeling a little cheeky, so I opened up the browser on my smartphone. And I typed Cigar Lounge 89128, let's go. Uh -huh. So I was looking for a Cigar Lounge in the 89128 zip code. And then I just added the words, let's go, just for giggles. Yeah. Turns out there was one three blocks and around the corner. Nice. So 20 minutes later, I was sitting in a, in a lounge, firing up. Uh, I think I probably had a VSG to celebrate because this was big. But that was 20 minutes from when I first got the inkling to do it. Now, here's the key. I was looking for something local. I found something that is actually within walking distance of where I was living at the time, believe it or not. But I searched globally for it. Right. Didn't, didn't use the yellow pages. Right. Didn't ask anybody I knew. I use an internet search engine. This is what I mean by where I think that the distinction between local and global, I'm not sure if it's become blurred, but I think we've developed a lot of parallels yeah, over the sure. past 20 years and particularly over the past two years. Right. 
Yeah, there's no question. One of the top searches now um, for local searches isn't even putting the city or state or even the zip code in your example. They'll do like a dentist near me or a restaurant near me. Yeah. Near me type searches. Yeah. And I've, and I've, I've actually learned to use those near me because that will go in that because that will access the geo tracking or whatever it is exactly. and pinpoint where I'm at. And it'll say, okay, well, if I'm standing at this intersection or I'm sitting at this place, where are the nearby dentists? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I, yeah, because I'll be, I'll be at, uh, at a local tea house, uh, enjoying my hot tea. And I'll think, yeah, I think, I think after this, I'm going to head on over and get a root canal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. So what overall, and we covered dentists specifically, let's make this a little bit more broad. What advice can you give a local business to increase their online visibility since it is important? Yeah. So, you know, I think that honest, I'm a big believer and I know this will probably get some eye rolls because I'm in the industry, but I'm a big believer in letting the professionals handle it for you because okay. the one reason small businesses go out of business is because they don't know how to run a business like we talked about before. And there are some things that are so critical and important. You need to leave it to professionals. And so if you're looking to grow big, like go big to grow big, right. Uh You need to hire a local agency. That's really good at this stuff because they already have it figured out. They know what to do. They know how to do it. They know what's working. They know what's not. And I've got a hundred colleagues in a mastermind just that do local marketing in a niche. Some of them do HVAC, some of them do attorneys, some of them do chiropractors. I do dental. There are niche specific agencies locally all over the place. And I would highly recommend um, doing that. And it's just become, and the reason Adam, it's just become so damn complex on there's so many different options for businesses to advertise and how the hell are you going to know what works, what doesn't, how, I mean, do you have, you know, $10,000 a month to spend to just try to figure out what's working well, or, you know, an extra 30 hours a week to figure it out. Right. It's just one of those things that I truly believe that you need to outsource and and get done by somebody professionally. My primary business is actually working with small businesses and entrepreneurs to launch your podcasts. Uh, Our elite options are, I don't want to use the word pricey, but there is a real investment there of Mm -hmm. both time and finances. But the point is, is, you can you can work with us and develop something that will be a it will be a powerful new media portal that's properly syndicated where you'll have a specific avatar based growth plan for your networking client attraction celebrity expert branding tool your brand itself will be completely established and you'll have a trajectory for who you want to interview why what you want to get out of it and what are your goals for monetization forms of client acquisition formation of partnerships, advertising, sponsors, whatever it is that you set as your goals. The reason you work with us is it's either that or you can spend yeah. $10,000 trying five different things and losing 14 and, nights of sleep uh, and get following, out of it. following every single article about podcasting, all of which will tell you that all the others are wrong, by the way. Uh, and or another option is, is you can pull out your phone and record a couple five-minute monologues, throw them up on some third-party party platform somewhere and say, hey, looky, I have a podcast. To which I say, nobody freaking cares. 
Right. There are there are a billion of those. Now you're in podcasting yourself, and I'm going to be curious about that uh, when we get to the wrap up part of this in a, in a short bit. Uh, but overall, what do you see are some of the things that are working best for businesses and local businesses when it comes to digital marketing? There are a thousand options. Yeah, there are. And in some of it's overlapping with what you're talking about. We're one of the only agencies actually that I know of that are getting involved more in authority marketing. In oh, tell of, me more about this. I love yeah, I love authority that. marketing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, SEO, paid ads on Google, Facebook, of course, we do all that. But authority marketing is really where we're trying to make sure that our client, because we only take on one client in every market. So yeah. let's say we take on a, you know, a dentist in Tampa, right? Well, our job is, you know, to make sure in his local area of Tampa that he is the absolute authority in dentistry in that market. So we do things like press releases. We do Facebook ads seem to work really well for us with that. Um, we even get them involved in podcasting. So you mentioned my podcast, which is the dental marketing podcast. Yeah. We put them on that for sure. We interview them and to kind of get them ready and teach them how to do this kind of stuff. But then my team will actually get them scheduled at least once a quarter to do somebody else's podcast in the kind of the health realm and yeah. then promote those and say, look, you know, thanks, you know, whatever health podcast for interviewing our doctor on dental implants. Right. So uh -huh. that when people see this, it makes them that authority and hell we even help them write books sometimes. Right. So yeah. the thing that we can do to really get them to be that authority figure is what will really help them stand out from their competition. Cause nobody else in dentistry and many other local niches are doing anything like this. So when you combine that with the power of good SEO and paid advertising and social media, you know, you can really do some damage marketing wise when you take that approach. Well, yeah. So yes, authority, marketing because there are so many dentists in tampa for example and yeah. you say that your company has a policy you only work with one in tampa i've seen studies that show that particularly in a large city or a heavily densely populated metropolitan market that a typical dentist practice will have influence within 10 blocks of its physical location and beyond right. that is fair game right yeah, it, there's no question. And it just depends on the population of it, right? So, you know, somewhere in Nebraska is going to be a little different. But yeah, in a densely populated area where sometimes you're looking at blocks versus miles. Yeah. And with all that, every 10 blocks or more, there's going to be a dentist. But I think about eight out of 10 are going to be dentists that you would have to have somebody personally refer them to you because you're barely going to find them online. Yep. It's all about the unique selling proposition at that point. Yeah. What is it, why is it somebody should choose you versus the 40 other dentists within a five mile radius? of you? Right. And I think, I think podcasting is really, that's right. is a really big deal. And I've, and I've shared this in the real estate market, you know, real estate investors and realtors is another example of this. Uh, you have the, when you think of a realtor, what you may see in your mind and but at least five out of 10 people I've asked about this have told me so that what they see in their mind when they hear the word realtor is their local community circular going to the back cover of it and seeing 32 photographs that were taken, that were clearly taken at the same local family photography studio <laughs> that are the 32 realtors that serve the market of some small town that has a population of 900. Yeah. And every single one of them has their cell phone number listed right under their name so you can annoy them 24-7. Right. 
<laughs> At that point, based on that level of data, you might as well just close your eyes, reach out your hand, stick down your finger, and and whatever, whichever one it hits, call them. Yeah. If you want to buy or sell a house, because yeah. that's about that's about how much data you're being given. Yeah, that's true. However, let's say that I was uh, planning on, let's use a real story. Let's say I was planning on moving to Las Vegas, which I actually did, and I knew that it was going to take me perhaps a year to get here. It's a place I didn't really know a lot of people who lived here. I didn't know a whole lot about the layout. Imagine if I discovered more about Las Vegas because somebody who happened to sell houses here was a font of knowledge on the local culture, the local, uh, the lay of the land, what to expect in certain neighborhoods, where to find furniture, where to find dentists, for example. Yeah. And they, and they did all that through podcasting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, it's, I think it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, so how has podcasting helped you build your business and personal brand? I love to hear these stories. It's just, it's authority. It really is. So I'll take a podcast, like, you know, maybe I'll even share this one once it's all done and, you know, I'll send it out to my email list. Right. Right. I was, you know, just interviewed on Adam's show. We talked about this out of the other thing. If you're interested, make sure you check it out. And, you know, I've got, you know, being in business for 13 years, I've got a pretty good sized database now. So, you know, that just that, and then continually seeing, you know, they may not be ready to buy marketing right now from me. Right. Right. But when they think of, you know what, new patients are down. I wonder what we can do. You know, who's that guy that's always showing up in my mailbox that seems really know what he's talking about. Right. Uh-huh. And it's that kind of stuff. And it, I'll be honest, man. I sometimes I even have hard time measuring exactly its impact, but I do know that once I do podcasts like this and promote those, I see an uptick. And then when I haven't done one for a while, it does go down. So, you know, yeah. there is an impact there. I think, uh, I think a lot of us in this industry and in podcasting, we're kind of in the infancy of really being able to measure things as accurately as we want to in terms of impact. But, you know, it definitely has, has a positive impact on my business. Well, certainly. And I have found through being in this type, these types of industries for 20 years that trying to get exact numbers, well, yeah. you might, you, I, I've, I myself have not been involved in social media advertising, but I've had clients where they hired somebody who managed their social media advertising for them. I am very familiar with being request with receiving requests to have five different blocks of tracking code added to either a website overall or pages specifically. The reason is always the same. You can have five different tracking software is tracking the exact same web page and they're going to give you five different sets of data you take that data and you come up with something that is as logical as possible and it's kind of the same with podcasting uh i occasionally for this show the business creators radio show will get those people say well how many listeners and downloads do you get and i say well it's none of your business yeah (laughs) it doesn't because it doesn't because it doesn't matter what is a listener a listener means somebody clicked a play button Right. A download means somebody downloaded a file, right? which is even a step behind the listener. Yeah. But did they actually listen? If they played the whole thing, did they comprehend? Right. Was it really the avatar listener you're looking for in the first place? Were you delivering the content that that avatar listener was looking for? So listeners and downloads are, to me, 
a fake vanity metric. And I see way too many folks who focus on listeners and downloads as a goal of a successful podcast. Whereas I say, treat them as a result of achieving your goals. Because when you build an audience, when you build a responsive database, as you mentioned a moment ago, when you establish your authority marketing, which we call celebrity expert branding, the listeners and downloads will, and I know this sounds like a truism, they'll just happen. Yeah. And they'll be sustainable. Right. Yeah, totally agree. So that's how that's how I look at some of that, which is why I was curious about that. Now, uh, what else can local businesses leverage as far as social media to attract more clients? I don't know if we want to go uh, you want to tell me what platforms you think are some of the best or some of the best practices per platform? So I'll let you answer this however you see fit. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you've got to test it. And, you know, every market's a little different and every clientele's a little bit different, right? So I think you just got to kind of test it around and, and see what's working best for you. Okay. So this is the part where I ask for either a case study or an example. Okay. Um, you know, I think... You know, with us in dental, you know, if you're a dental implant guy, right, you're going after a different patient avatar than you are if you're a general dentist just looking for hygiene type cases, right? Why ain't ain't that the case? Yeah. Yeah, right. So what we see is that what works for some, we, we group it not as only dentists, but avatars, right? All right. So what patient avatar are we going after? And Mm -hmm. then we look into specifics. So, I mean, we had a practice that in, I think it was Omaha that was doing YouTube video advertising and and sharing on social media and it was working great. And then we had another one in nearby Lincoln that it wasn't working well at all. And, but what worked well in Lincoln was TikTok advertising. And then the, oh, duh moment factored in when we put two and two together and realized that the University of Nebraska is in Lincoln, right? So, you know, it's, it's, we increased, I would say, we increased their new patient flow by over 100% within 90 days, just making that change. So, I mean, there's, you can't run, in my opinion, a marketing campaign from a template meaning, you know, what's worked for one will work for all. And it's the same template we're going to use for every dentist that we, that we see, because it just doesn't work that way. And that's where I have an advantage over a lot of my competition, because a lot of my competition are big ass companies, right? I mean, they're yeah. big marketing companies. And the only way that they can scale and get those thousands of clients is by using automation and using templates, right? All process and procedure-based templates. And we don't do that. We look at every dentist differently. We take our time. We draw new patient avatars for each one. And we kind of handhold the whole process. And that's that's really a big uh, performance advantage for us. We take, I would say, probably 75% of our new clients come from other companies that it just didn't work out well for. So, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just, it, it, there's a lot of, a lot of things there that, that can change our campaign strategies for sure. Right. I, to me, when it comes, particularly when it comes to a medical provider who I'm going to trust, their personality means a lot to me. Sure. Yeah. So if it's, as I mentioned earlier, if it comes to dental, dental work, I'm looking for somebody who's going to be empathetic, uh, who's going to recognize that they can't just shove things in my mouth, uh, particularly if they're sharp, and are going to 
be willing to work with my need to understand what's going on while it's happening. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that when I did that search for the work that I'm going to need done, particularly with that one tooth being extracted, I was looking for two things in particular. I was looking for somebody who was going to hear my story about how that particular tooth at one point had three separate fillings in it, had been root canaled, had been rebuilt and crowned, and then it still had fallen out. So then now they're, all that's left is like the shell of what used to be the tooth. It's uh, right around the gum line. That wasn't going to try to sell me on, hey, let's try and save this lost cause for the 19th time. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that, that's one of the criteria. Another criteria is I needed somebody who understood that there are there, that it is actually possible to sedate somebody without shoving a needle in their arm. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not going to work for reasons right. I've already described. So I was looking for somebody who would prescribe the anesthetic pill. Yeah. And yeah, here's another thing. A year ago, I needed new glasses. And the actual catalyst was that I was going on, undergoing personal rebranding and needed a different shape for my lenses. Funny thing, it had been almost eight years since I've gotten an optometrist exam. So one day I was trying to find an optometrist who could see me, a local optometrist, obviously. I kept contacting offices and they were telling me that they had a waiting list of like six weeks. I got referrals from friends and was told the same thing. Apparently the friendship didn't open any doors. Well, finally, I was sitting at a cigar shop and I did a search. And it's funny because you mentioned this earlier optometrist near me and i found this place it was actually pretty fairly well established but i hadn't heard of them before through internet searches even though they seem to have a pretty good internet presence and i called their office and they said i had two choices uh they were booked for six weeks and they could see me sometime right before christmas or if i was paying cash and could get there in 20 minutes they could have it done today so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that that of course naturally that's what I did. Yeah. Now with dent, yeah. Now with dentists, I'm looking for somebody who has a warmth and empathy about them. Sure. When I dealt with this optometrist, their staff were really nice, and I think the optometrist himself, who I saw briefly after he came in to review the examination and give his recommendations, what have you, he has a very he had a very dry, laconic personality. And just the way he phrased the whole message that it might have been cold that I went through a good part of my 30s without getting an, getting an eye exam was fine. I was not going to be allowed to get away with that anymore. Yeah. So, uh, but just the way he did it, the way he was, uh, some might say that he was dry. Some might say he was humorless. Some might even say he was a little bit nasty, but just that flat delivery in its own interesting way inspired my confidence. Yeah, I know. People are weird like that. I mean, some people like that. For me, I'm more of a humor guy, so it puts me at ease when the when the dentist or healthcare provider is a little bit more kind of joking around funny because it, it takes some of the stress and anxiety off of me. But yeah, I mean, everybody's just a little bit different with that stuff. And that's where it goes into, you know, who is it that you want to walk through the door, right? And, and who is yeah. your ideal customer? I would say that this, this is interesting for conversation. For this particular optometrist, if you were to ask me that question, since we're talking about authority marketing, personal branding, mm -hmm. I would be looking for patients who simply want to get their problems fixed 
without a whole lot of drama around it. Somebody who I'm going to give recommendations and they're just going to follow them. Yeah. So in his case, he may want to project an energy of, hey, this is my recommendation. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Because he wants to attract people who just want to be helped. Well, yeah. And if you build up the right kind of authority prior to that patient coming in, that's going to go a long way with them except doing case acceptance. Like, yeah, okay, I'll follow your recommendations because you are obviously the man or woman, right? So Uh for sure. Yeah. What I loved most about that particular exam that day is that was the first time I'd ever went to an optometrist and they didn't even suggest giving me eye drops. Really? Either they didn't see the need for that particular examination or something in their technology has allowed them to gather the information that you, that uh, uh, optometrists would gather through pupil dilation through one of the many machines they had me look through. Yeah. Because I did notice they had me looking through a lot of machines and taking a lot of visual tests. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool if they can do that for sure. That could be something as well for folks who don't deal well with eye drops. Yeah, we we offer exams that don't require the eye drops. Yeah, is that I, I mean, uh, have you ever found in your work with Dennis that there are some whose hook might be that they do or don't do something or do or don't offer something particular? Without question, we just signed on a client not too long ago that actually still does at home visits. So they've got like a mobile lab that they roll out there to, and they do this for like people that are, you know, disabled or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a biggie. I mean, that's, that's a big difference maker for sure. Or, you know, even a simpler form would be like evening appointments or weekend appointments, things like that. Well, that's, that's kind of a big deal, particularly yeah. when you have folks who are stuck in the whole nine to five thing. Exactly. As I, as I like to say, one of the benefits of being an entrepreneur is, yeah, on the one hand, sometimes uh, I do client work on, say, Saturday night, or I work on my own business or my own marketing on a Saturday night or something like that. And I hear from people who say, oh, man, why are you working all the time? I'll work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, all right. I'm not waking up at 4.30 in the morning to sit in traffic for two hours to go get yelled at the moment I walk in the door to a place that I was an hour, that I was a minute late to. Right. Uh, and most importantly, since we're talking about Dennis, let's say that one of my teeth went through that process of dying. You know, yeah. the, you know, that thing where it tells you that you kind of need a root canal because you're going to experience nonstop searing pain until you get one. <laughs> yep. If that were to happen to me right now, I could take three minutes to wrap us up because we're actually going to be wrapped up here in about three minutes. I could potentially be sitting in an endodontist chair, having the roots drilled out in 90 minutes from now. Right. That's what keeps me going, <laughs> knowing that I wouldn't have to wait in those lines. I wouldn't have to check with somebody or use PTO or be told, well, can't you just get that done on the weekend? Right. But for folks who are in those situations, that's very attractive. Absolutely. There's no question. If you, especially if you have kids and play sports and absolutely people are busy, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So as we wrap up here, uh, I just wanted to, uh, I did want to say that I do encourage everybody to visit your website. I've checked it out myself. It's at www.kickstartdental.com. I've had a chance to look at your dental marketing podcast. I think it's fantastic. And you're, branding and your design itself 
to me, is an example of creating authority marketing. Uh, there, aside from the fact that there's a news media section, just the way it's laid out and the way you language it, I think is worth it. I think is worth anybody checking out. And for those of our listeners who are dentists, and I know we have several, if you're looking to up-level what you're doing and establish authority marketing within your geographic area or within your particular type of practice or niche of practice, definitely check out kickstartdental.com. And with that, Chris Pistorius, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.